Craft Beer Radio, episode 11, August 29th, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. I'm Jeff Bear. This week's show is first of two episodes about the Oktoberfest, which is probably the most famous of these sort of alternative beer styles. Yes, Oktoberfest is a famous German beer style. It's traditional for the Oktoberfest celebration. And we'll get into a little bit of detail about what Oktoberfest is, what the style is, and why there's a style for the Oktoberfest celebration is not just all styles right. of beer. And, you know, it, 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 we're doing two shows because there are so many on the market. We want to cover sort of what comes out of the market. In fact, this is our European show. We have mostly European beers. There's one exception, but we have three European and one American beers. Yes, we do. I forgot <laughs> the, what beers we were doing tonight real quick. I forgot. I thought we were doing just the Europeans. But, yeah, we're doing three Europeans and an American tonight. For next week, we already have two American beers purchased. We're going to try to get two or two more Europeans yeah. for next week. We'll see what we can do. We've heard from some of you about doing mostly American beers and trying to shift over to a little bit of European beers. And it's true. There's a, there's a huge craft beer industry in Europe as well, as well as other countries and continents. But, <laughs> but we haven't really covered them because we've just been getting mostly stuff that's around here. Well, that's the whole America. thing with beer and craft beer in general. What's most available to the people is the stuff that's local to them, the fresh, good craft beer. And granted, there's a lot of imports. And granted, I'm also biased to American craft beer. Right. But we'll we'll do what we can to do good European beers. And what better place to start than with the Oktoberfest style? Where I'm sure most people would argue that German Oktoberfest beers beat the pants off any American competitor. We actually had some people writing about the Saison style. Yeah. That we didn't do any true Belgian Saisons when... The Americans are pale in comparison to... Which may be true. I really haven't had uh, any true Belgian Saisons that I can think of. Yeah, I have not either. The Saison DuPont's a very famous Mm -hmm. one. It wasn't available for us to purchase. Oh, well. First, we like to get into a little bit of the business side of things. One thing that I wanted to mention is last week in our email, Ben from Columbus wrote in and told us to try some Atlantic Brewing Company beers. The Real Harbor... I'm sorry, the Bar Harbor Real Ale and the Cole Porter. When I was at the bottle shop picking up beers yesterday, uh-huh. I tried the Bar Harbor Real Ale. It was pretty tasty. I was impressed. It, it's a brown ale style. Really? But it wasn't on the multi side. It was balanced to, um, I'd say it was mostly balanced. It was really enjoyable. I didn't sit down and really critique it, yeah. but I enjoyed it. And it was, I'll, I'll definitely have it a few more times and pay more attention next time. Sounds good. I, I do like a really good brown ale. How would you compare it to other? Um, not comparing them side by side. I would compare it to the Brooklyn, but probably not as full-bodied and not as malty. Okay. I mean, the Brooklyn was our favorite of the brown ales when we tried them. So. I'd have to do them side by side and tell you which one I yeah. truly like better. And the, the Cold Porter will be in an upcoming episode. Ooh. I mean, we have, the, we have a Porter episode scheduled a little bit down the road. Very good. Okay. The next piece of business is our survey. I want to thank everyone who signed up. Keep in mind that when you sign up, you are automatically entered in a competition to get some beer. Yeah, we're going to have to draw three names, and I'm going to send you some beer. We had a couple comments on it from our international listeners. When I did the survey, I'll admit that I wasn't really thinking internationally when I did the survey. I was when I was doing the where do you reside question. Uh I broke it up into America, the rest of North America, and then the other continents. 
I had a New Zealander write in and uh, had a little bit to say about him having to choose Australia. Oh, yeah. So I should have said Asia Pacific or Oceania. He educated me on that. And also, how much do you spend is in American dollars. And I didn't even cross my mind yeah. that the international listeners don't spend American dollars. That's true. <laughs> so the next time I do a survey, I promise it'll be better. Well, at least you should have a little conversion calculator there. so you can. <laughs> yeah, I'll put that up on the website. Three euros. What is that, like uh, $80? Anymore, probably. <laughs> yeah. And the last bit of news we have is uh, about our podcast, Alley. We've been asking you for votes, and it's been working. We've yeah, absolutely. Getting We're a lot getting of attention. A lot of votes, and 66 was our... Yeah, we got it ranked up to 66, which was really good. The month is almost over. They reset the votes at the beginning of the month. So, so re-vote. So we're going to ask all of you to please go back and vote for us again. I hate asking, but it works. Yeah, it I, really it, does work. We we sort of we understand that we don't want to bother you with this kind of thing, but the more you vote for us and you vote every month, the the higher we get in the rankings and the more people find out about our show and then can hopefully enlighten, enlighten people about craft beer. And then one thing I want to explain, I think one of our listeners, at least one of our listeners, and maybe more, thought that they could only vote for their very favorite podcast on oh, Podcast no. Alley. You can and vote for anyone you want. You can vote many for t- all of yeah. your favorite, and you can help them all out. So one guy said, yeah, I'm trying to figure out if you or one of these other podcasts is my favorite so I know who to vote for. And I'm like, oh, no, don't wait. Vote for them all. <laughs> help them all out. If you were one of the people that thought you could only vote for one podcast, that's not yeah, the case. Spread the love. One of the things we want to mention is that Jeff recently did an interview with a local brewer. Scott Smith from East End Brewing Company. This is a local brewery in Pittsburgh that you really can't find outside of Pittsburgh, but I think Jeff, did a great job. He was someone I knew. Right. And for my first interview, I didn't know if it would be good or bad, so I was comfortable working with that. So we did the interview, and we're still trying to figure out exactly how we're going to release it. And I think the way we decided to do it is we're going to put it into the extras feed. So you'll be able to get it if you subscribe to the extras feed. It'll be on the extras if you want to go to our site and download it, you can go check us out at craftbeerradio.com. Like we said, it's a very good interview. If you're interested in brewing at all, it's a really good listen, and it gives you an idea how somebody started going from home brewing into the brewing industry. I think we're going to have a new feature of the show, Pronunciation Gate. That's it seems true. like every week we mess something up and someone writes in telling us that how we messed it up. So <laughs> Might as well yeah, install it as a new feature. It, it works. This week in Pronunciation Gate, Greg says... <laughs> Don in St. Paul, Minnesota Gave us two things on pronunciation gate Which I actually take issue to Don said that we said uh, Sniffer, not snifter Now, I'm pretty sure we said snifter it might, The T might get lost If we say it quickly or something like that We both know it's snifter Yeah, I'm not so sure I might have let sniffer slip But I'll let Greg take issue with it And I'll just be quiet I haven't really gone back and listened to the show To figure out whether we did or not But we both know it's snifter So if we said sniffer is just sort of in the heat of the moment. We're sorry. <laughs> uh, the other one is anise or anis. He says that anise is an is sound, not like peace. I actually looked this up because from what I understood, it was a regional thing, sort of like route or root. And yes, the more common term is anis, but anise is out there and it's known. So it's something that is not necessarily wrong. It's just more of a regional thing. Anise, anis. Uh, you probably like it star in this or star or in this better, but I've grown up saying a niece, and so I kind of have to stick with it. So that's pronunciation gate for this week. I'm sure we're, we're going to do some German stuff, and we tried to get the pronunciations right this time, but pretty sure we're going to do something wrong. Probably. So, well, we're doing German <laughs> Oktoberfests yeah. with a bunch of German names. 
we're gonna get something get him right in the email so please send us in your uh, <laughs> your things for pronunciation gate we're certainly interested next email Derek from Massachusetts him and a few friends are going on a craft beer vacation nice they want to visit a bunch of micro and craft breweries and they want to end up in San Francisco at Anchor's team it says they're most likely focused on the northwest do you have any suggestions or places we should visit? Well, Jeff, you're the perfect, you're the perfect person to answer this question because of your beer tour you went on. Not the perfect. Well, I did go on the beer cruise last summer, and I toured Seattle. Okay. Seattle's a very small part of the Northwest. But if you do go to Seattle, there are a ton of great places. You have breweries like Pike, Maritime, Hales Ales, Big Time, Pyramid. Mm-hmm. There's tons of breweries out yeah. there. Elysian. Elysian was really cool. you got to check out Elysian if you're in Seattle. Not to mention all the beers that are in Oregon. Right. right. Portland, the, Oregon. Yeah. got Rogue. I, like I said, I'm not really an expert yeah. outside of... I'm not even an expert in Seattle, but I don't know much of anything outside of Seattle except for the big breweries. One thing you should check out is the DVD called American Beer. You can get it from 600.com. That's the whole thing spelled out in letters, 600.com. It's a... It's a documentary about these guys who took off in a van. They visited 36 breweries in 40 days hmm. from east to west. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of ideas from from checking out that DVD. Yeah. One thing to be very careful is if you have Netflix and you search for American beer, there was a movie made a couple years ago about some Canadians who go to California and drink crappy beer. The confusing thing is they use the names of the people in the documentary in the description. It's like a hybrid description of the plot of that movie with the actors from the re- from the documentary. Okay. I've emailed them three times. They've never fixed it. So don't rent that movie by accident from Netflix. You know, that reminds me um, of speaking of websites that don't fix things. We have a problem with iTunes. Oh, we yeah. We should mention, mention that to people. Uh, our, our show on iTunes lists only the episodes up to Brown Ale for some reason. Right. When, you look the at fourth the, episode. when you look at the informational page. So some people might be... If you're listening to us, you've obviously found yeah. us, and that's cool. But we're worried that some people might be seeing that page in iTunes and saying, these guys aren't doing the show anymore. Yeah. Now, if they would subscribe, all the yeah. shows would come down. But they don't see them until they subscribe. So. We thought it might be a problem with our feed, so we took Brownell out of the feed, and the show it hasn't updated at all. So we're right. going to, I think, keep Brownell out of the feed. He can get the show still from our from our website, but which is craftbeerradio.com but we want to see if we can just sort of coax iTunes into updating and I've tried to send them mail I've got got the runaround going three different ways and you've never talked to a real person huh no I have talked to a real person who said I had to pay $40 if I wanted to get assistance what and that they would they didn't even offer assistance with iTunes anyway because they had me registered for having an iPod and uh, then they said go to an Apple store I haven't been to the Apple store yet oh like they're going to help you yeah I know what is the Mac quote-unquote geniuses is going to say they call their tech support guys mac geniuses okay what are they going to say i mean they have no they have just as much contact with the itunes people as i do i understand lots of people are having this problem if if any of our listeners has come across something similar we'd love to know about it yeah it's just it's a bummer yeah itunes were yeah six million people or more you know able to find our show and if they're turned off because they think we're not updating it that's going to suck that's one of the reasons another reason why we like to rely on podcast alley too because first of all the much more responsive and better community, I think. Right. But also, they certainly are willing to update their site. Corey wrote in to say that there are places online that you can buy West Philatron. And he gave us a link to www.belgianshop.com. So hmm. the shipping's a little expensive. It takes about two weeks to arrive, but in his opinion, it's worth it. 
the price for the Westville Atron yep. for the bottle was like seven or seven ninety five. That's not bad for the best beer in the world. The twelve is sold out right now on their website. Oh, really? Okay. But so you asked about the price the other week, yeah. and I had no clue. Josh in Austin says he really doesn't like the whole concept of drinkable. Now I don't know how much we've been saying drinkable. He doesn't like it because he says sort of any beer being solid, they're all going to be drinkable. So it's kind of a meaningless throwaway descriptor. And he says palatable, refreshing, quenching, or my favorite, not stim- not stimulating a gag reflex is better than drinkable. Another thing I take issue to, because I don't know whether we've been using drinkable all that much, but I think that, you, Josh, you're taking drinkable a little bit too literally. Wouldn't you say? Because Yeah, I'd say so. I think drinkable can be a good descriptor in how easy it is to drink the beer some beers are good but not drinkable some beers are bad but drinkable i guess you could say usually beers that we don't drink that have very little flavor right and then there's good beers or bad beers that aren't drinkable where you're just sitting there and the glass never seems to get any emptier because it's just not enjoyable to take big you know to to really just drink it so i think drinkable is a valid term but i do see his Indirect point that yeah. we don't want to rely on using drinkable. I, I agree with all that. The time. I, we want to try to not use drinkable as much as possible. Well, as much as we don't want to use overuse drinkable. But I think, like I think, like you say, it's valid. I absolutely agree that the more adjectives we use, the better. The, the more descriptors we use, the better. And if we get stuck on on one in particular, then it's not good for the listeners. However, I do think, like you say, drinkable is valid. A, a good example is last week's show. I felt the stones, while it was certainly tasty, it was almost blowing me up with taste, and so I didn't really find it drinkable. In fact, I couldn't finish it. So that, to me, is a perfect example of something not being drinkable. I hope the main key he was trying to make was we don't want to rely on using it too much. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there. He also had to say that he's not a big fan of the What Beer Am I segment. He was under the impression that he can't get most of the beers in the segment, and he thinks it wrecks the flow of the show. I had another comment where someone thought that they weren't paying attention to the What Beer Am I segment either because they thought it was all around where we live. It turns out the What Beer Am I segment was probably 10 <laughs> miles from his house. Yeah, We wouldn't just let everyone know that I'm just picking beers from all over. Unique beers, unique beers that have certain story behind them or certain characters to them or a unique style that aren't very many of. It's, it's what, 45 seconds. So yeah, and I mean... I can't see how it can really wreck the flow of the show that much. I mean, we're not sticking with beers that are that are incredibly local either because we don't think that people would really know that. So we, our first beer was from Maine. Our second beer... Was in uh, Michigan. Was in Michigan. And you'll find out where the third beer is yeah. soon enough. And it's across the country, so... <laughs> he's looking... He says he's looking forward to the IPA show. He's had a victory hop devil. He was underwhelmed by it. So he wants to know what we think when we do the IPA show. I can say right now that I enjoy the Hop Devil. I like Hop Devil. I think it has a nice flavor to it. It's not overboard. It's not underboard. It, it's well, it's also the first over-the-top IPA I've had mm. in my beer drinking. So you have sort of a, a it has soft warm spot, spot in my heart. heart yeah. yeah, I uh, wanted to buy some Prima Pills the other day and accidentally bought Hop Devil just because they have sort of a similar look. <laughs> um, and I wasn't disappointed when I brought it home. And I was like, oh, wait, this is, this is Hot Devil I bought. And I'm like, yeah, all right. I got Hot Devil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a big mistake. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty big mistake. I was looking more for a Pilsner and I got it off. But it was certainly enjoyable, so it didn't really bother me that much, like I say. He said his money's with Dogfish Head, a 60-minute or Bridgeport IPA out of Oregon. I think I agree. I like Dogfish Head 60 more than Hot Devil. I, I think you're, you're the opposite. I like, you like yeah. Hot Devil better than 60-minute. 
just sometimes I don't want to go for this, the the great happiness of of dogfish and I'm sort of going for more kind of balanced that you get from Hop Devil. When is our IPA show? Boy, I don't know. We did a, our first show, our episode point nine, was Imperial was IPAs. double Imperial or double IPA or Imperial. <laughs> right. There's a bunch of I's at the beginning or twos or yeah. D's or whatever. Who knows? <laughs> a double Imperial will be a quadruple IPA. There you go. I don't know when we're going to be doing IPAs next. I guess sometime in the winter, probably. We'll, we'll just see how things yeah. go. It's, I mean, it's it, hard to plan too far it, ahead. It's not really a seasonal type thing, IPAs. I can't even had any time. So we almost don't want to hit IPAs until we absolutely have to. We've really run out of styles because we like IPAs and we want to save them for when we can. Because we know we can get a whole bunch. And right. Maybe we'll do two shows. Like we, we do, do like October, five IPA shows, yeah. actually. <laughs> okay, the next email is from Ned. He wrote in. He said he's thinking about brewing his own beer. He has a question. He likes the beer in the local microbreweries and wants to know if his homemade beer could be as good or better. And I told him, sure. He sounds like he doesn't know hardly anything about homebrewing. And that's fine. It's great for getting people interested in the hobby. Probably some of the best places for you to start is you can go on some homebrewing message boards. You can go to beeradvocate.com's homebrewing board. Northernbrewer.com has one. There's some other that are just brewing sites, but I'm not a regular on them, so I don't know which ones would be good to recommend right now. There's a website, howtobrew.com which has a book online and touch all about homebrewing. Did but, you mention Basic Brewing Radio? Oh, Owen, there's, I did tell yeah. him in the email about Basic Brewing Radio. is an excellent podcast. Mm-hmm. I told him probably the best thing so he can get the feel for what's involved would be to find a local homebrew store, go there and talk with the, the, the clerk running the place. He'll be able to yeah. tell him the kit, how much he needs. He'll get the idea of how much work's involved. I think that's probably the best place for him to start out. And does it taste better? Well, in a sense, you're tasting your blood, sweat, and tears in the beer. So... You're sort of tasting your own work. You that tastes better to a point. But You can make very good beers yeah. on brewing, but you could get an infection and it could be undrinkable too. <laughs> right. I've been lucky where out of all my beers there's only been one. It wasn't infected. It just wasn't that good. The rest of them have all been pretty good. Mm-hmm. So Actually, there was two. My first one was a little iffy. Everyone told me it was great, but you know that's <laughs> how your friends are. I seem to remember liking it, but uh, I don't know. It was extra too light in body and watery and... People said they liked it. Was it was a beer. Yeah. Woo, Jeff beer. made beer. <laughs> Jeff's giving away his alcohol. It's the funnest part of homebrewing, right? Right. John wrote in, and he mentioned that he saw some mortars and pestles he was using in science class that said cores on them. We mentioned last time that cores, during Prohibition, worked did some porcelain work because they needed cats for their malting beers and they had a whole porcelain factory and stuff like that. Yes, it's true. If you if you look at science like science rooms around the country, you'll probably see cores on the underneath on when it's where it's labeled because cores made a lot of those. Companies now called Cores Tech spun off from Cores. They still make stuff. They have their webpage. They it's pretty high tech. They have all those yeah. semiconductor stuff and it's crazy that that came from a beer company. <laughs> Well, it just goes to show you the value, the, the value of diversification in today's market. You want to move on to news? Let's do it. Okay, the first news story that we have is titled Bottle Cap Currency. It's a story out of Cameroon. A beer company ran a promotion where they were giving away stuff on the bottle caps. You could win a dollar, a bottle of beer. They even had prizes for mobile phones, luxury cars, and about 20 million caps. Just like McDonald's Monopoly, only with beer. <laughs> Exactly. They must have screwed up the ratio or something because almost everyone was a winner. Huh. So about 20 million caps have been sold and given away this year. The article reads, Virtually every consumer of beer in Cameroon has a chance of winning. 
Sometimes you go out for a bottle and find yourself coming back with four or six free bottles because of winning caps. Bottle of beer costs a dollar, and that's just over the cost of a township taxi drop. And apparently, people were using the people were using the bottle caps to pay for taxi rides, which is great. And then taxi drivers are using the bottle caps to pay for traffic fines with, <laughs> with the uh, unethical police officers. That's fantastic. We need something like that here, don't we? Right, hey, we got a bunch of bottle caps from doing this show. <laughs> Who wants to take me around town? Next story we got, it's, it's one of those bad beer stories. Yeah. Just wanted to mention it and so we could poo-poo it. Top Party School has been announced. It was oh. Wisconsin this year, if you really need to know. And, of course, that qualifies as beer news. Yeah, well, I searched for beer <laughs> yeah. on Google and it yeah. was like the top thing that came up. So it's beer news. Why do you run stories yeah. like that? What's so the, you go to Wisconsin, get all the cores you want to drink, I guess. Brigham Young University like. was the worst party school. It doesn't surprise me. It's Mormon, right? The uh, Brigham Young? Yeah. Yeah. Don't think there'd be much drinking there. No. <laughs> anyway, Anheuser-Busch, they're canning water for hurricane relief for Hurricane Katrina. It's nice, that, it's nice when a company that we generally dislike does something good. I mean, we generally dislike the product they make. But the Anheuser-Busch and the other big breweries always do this for disasters. Yeah. They, they turn the canning lines around and they just can water. And it's a great thing. And I just want to bring attention that you know we don't just flat out blindly hate Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. Give them props when they did something we, good. We respect the company, but we don't respect their product. <laughs> but we certainly respect what they're doing uh, for Katrina. All right. Time to move on to our next segment. Oh, uh, yes. The one we love and only two people hate. What which was what beer am I, if you couldn't understand that. Which I half, I half understood that, so I guess we're okay. Last week's show, we did... Old Soul from Big Time Brewing in Seattle, Washington. Big Time, now you mentioned that one of the clues. Yeah, so there was, was a, little, a hidden clue there yeah, where I said I they hit the Big Time at the Great American Beer Festival <laughs> in 2003. I like it. I like it. Who, who won? Three people got the question right. Russell, Brian, and Corey. Congratulations. So it was a little bit harder. <laughs> Actually, we're recording the show on a Monday. We put out the last one on a Thursday afternoon. That's true. So, we... so it was a short league time from there. This week's beer, it's another uh, kind of tricky one. Okay. If you know the story behind it, it'll be pretty. You'll, you'll get it right away. If you don't, I'm not sure how hard it'll be to figure it out. First clue. I'm a porter. A porter. Nice dark beer. I'm imported from England. Oh, the first. Or I guess I should say I'm brewed in England because it's not always imported if you live there, huh? That's true. It's, so it's the, our first what beer am I from across the pond. Exactly. And this last clue is pretty much the, the important clue, right. the only clue. I'm fermented with yeast that was found in a shipwreck. Well, that certainly narrows things down, doesn't it? Yep. They uh, found this yeast in a shipwreck. The microbiologist cultured it because there was still some live yeast cells. This shipwreck was over 100 years or something like that. Still some live cells. So he cultured a viable batch and brewed a beer, started brewing beer with it. So it's like, it's like time machine yeast. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, that's what beer am I. I hope it didn't disrupt the flow too much. Yes, we're going to move on now to the Oktoberfest. So our beer this week and next week is the Oktoberfest. Exactly. And so there's two things to go over here. Right. There's the style of beer that it is, and also, what We're, is this Oktoberfest thing yeah. that I hear so much about? Exactly. Well, let's go into it. What is the Oktoberfest? The Oktoberfest is a big celebration in Munich every year. Mm -hmm. You know it for people getting around drinking steins of beer, a big, huge party. Six million people are, are estimated for this year. The history behind the Oktoberfest... So we have a whole history here of... 
how the Oktoberfest started. Basically, in the 12th of October, 1810, Crown Prince Ludwig, who later became King Ludwig I, was married to Princess Therese of Saxony-Hildberghausen. And the citizens of Munich were all invited to attend the festivities on the fields in front of the city gates to celebrate the royal event. And the fields were named Theresienweiss, Theresa's Fields, in honor of the crown prince ever since that day, ever since 12th of October, 1810. The locals have since abbreviated the name simply to Weizen. I guess that's what it is, right? Weizen? Yeah, I suppose that's what it is. Uh, supposedly the locals in Munich don't call it Oktoberfest, they just call it Weizen. Weizen. Horse races were there in the presence of the royal family to mark the close of the event, celebrated as a festival for the whole of Bavaria. And the decision was made to repeat these horse races in the subsequent year, and it gave rise to this tradition of this yearly event called the Oktoberfest. It mentions in 1811 that they added the first agricultural show. Okay. So it sounds like this is a harvest festival. Not a beer-drinking festival, but being Germany, <laughs> you don't have any festival without, without beer. beer. So Oktoberfest, it's happened every year since 1810. So it's like a big fair, like a big county fair that turns into a huge world fair. More or less, with a lot of beer. And this year's is the 172nd Oktoberfest. Hmm. 172nd. Wow. Now that is the festival. And now there is the traditional Oktoberfest style of beer for the festival. Now, we should mention that you don't necessarily only drink Oktoberfest at Oktoberfest, but there is a special beer made for this style. Well, there's a historical reason why this beer is the Oktoberfest style. This beer is either the Meritzen or the Oktoberfest. It was traditionally brewed in the spring and cellared in caves or other cool places throughout the summer mm -hmm. so it could be drunk in the fall for the harvest. Because in Germany, before refrigeration, you couldn't brew in the summer. Right. Bacteria would take hold too easy. You'd get a bunch of infected beer. So they would brew in the spring. They'd have to take the summer off. And then they would bring this beer out in the fall for the celebrations. The aroma of the Oktoberfest style has a malty aroma, typically from Vienna or Munich malt. It has a light to moderate toasted aroma, Clean lager aroma, no fruity esters or diacetyl. Which is the buttery taste. No hop aroma, and a caramel flavor aroma is inappropriate. Okay. Appearance should be dark gold to deep orange-red in color. Bright clarity with a solid foam head. The flavor is initial sweet maltiness, finished moderately dry. It's a distinctive and complex maltiness, often includes a toasted aspect. Okay, it's interesting. Hop bitterness is moderate, noble hop flavor. So sort of like a a darker, sort of sweeter lager. Yeah. Yeah, with the Munich and the Vienna malt, it's going to yeah. get a really multi flavor. And since it has a fair amount of bitterness, but not much flavor aroma hops, it's going to definitely come out multi. Like most lagers, this is supposed to be uh, drunk very cold, 45 to 50 degrees. Alcohol by volume, 4 to 7%, so not a huge amount of alcohol. Although I guess it can get pretty high alcohol. If you get 7%, that's pretty high alcohol lager. We're going to be using a pint glass tonight, but a pint glass, a mug, or a stein are all appropriate glass for this kind of beer. It'd be nice if we had some big steins here to yeah, clank around. Yeah, that would be nice. you got to get that for more, maybe next week. Obviously, with the Oktoberfest, you would want some kind of German cuisine to go with it. And they didn't list any cheeses for this kind mm -hmm. of beer. Well, so we just need to get some brat first. Get some pork and sauerkraut, some hot Sauerkraut, yeah. Some um, wise verse, you know, I like the sausages. sausages I, bet if, are good. I bet if you're in Milwaukee, this is like a perfect beer because of all the sausages stuff that's around there. Probably. All right, so that's what we have for what an Oktoberfest should be like. 
Let's go with our first beer. Which one did you want to do first? Uh, I think we were going to go with Hacker Shore. Okay. Hacker Shore Original Oktoberfest. Now, this is one of two beers that claims to be the original Oktoberfest. Well, this one does on the label, so this one must be the original Oktoberfest. Oh, that's right, because it says right there. This is brewed from Hacker Hacker Shore. It's Hacker Shore or Hacker Shore. Our German friend says you can pronounce the P or not pronounce the P. So we're doing it both ways because we forget. And the brewery location is Munich, Germany. This is a classic, classic Oktoberfest. 5.6% alcohol by volume. Brewery started in 1417. And I'm noticing it's sort of that amber color, a little bit darker. It's probably one of the clearest beers we've had to date. Maybe except for the Pilsner episode, but I'm not used to drinking such a clear beer. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting uh, maltiness and brightness. You know, it it almost reminds me of the the IPA we had in the pre-show. Yeah, it does have a similar nose to the... It wasn't IPA, it was a pale ale in the pre-show. Yeah, that's right. Similar nose, the the, the multi-bready part of it. Yeah. There's a little bit of hoppiness as they are sort of disguised in the background. Last year, last time I had an Oktoberfest, this is a style that I did not like. So it's going to be interesting doing a show of beers that I didn't like. Two shows in a row. I'm really curious to see if they've come around this year to my palate. Here, I'm going to take my first sip and see what my impression is on this. There's a fuller mouthfeel than their lagers. Malty that kind of fades away into dryness, which is perfectly what the Oktoberfest should be. Very uh, palatable. Goes down pretty easy. I think this is a, this is a beer that would go well with food. I didn't dislike the first mm-hmm. sip, so that that is a bonus. Maybe this year I'll like Oktoberfest. <laughs> Definitely starts out malty. And then it, um, the way it flowed around my tongue was kind of interesting. It was kind of um, sharp and tart on its sides, and it, it felt like almost already gone in the middle, like extra mm-hmm. dry. Yeah. So it was an interesting uh, mouthfeel and flavor profile on that. You know, noticing the hoppiness sort of comes at the end. There's really not much hoppiness there, but there's a little bit of the bitterness that you expect. And like you say, it's more flaring in the sides of the tongue than it is in the back, which is weird because you normally expect bitterness to go in the back. You learn in school, I think, that the bitterness receptors are on the back of your tongue and like sweets in the front. It's not true. Okay. That, that I was wondering about yeah. that. When we've been talking about where we taste these things. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't go look it up, but I was thinking, if I remember right, we're not tasting things where we're supposed to be tasting things on our tongue. Uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, your taste buds are all over the place. So there's, there's no specific places where you where you detect certain things. Okay. It's weird that one. I think it's, that's one of the things that everyone knows, but <laughs> no one has right. right. Being indoctrinated by the, uh-huh. the fallible education system. <laughs> right. This beer is available year-round. It's five, This one is 5.6 alcohol mm-hmm. by volume. Its original gravity is uh, 13.7 Play-Doh. Its bitterness was ranked in EBUs, which is a Euro- European, is it an European bitterness unit. I didn't look up how they correlate, but it's a 28. It's, uh, it's a little bitter, but I mean, it's not... Yeah, it's not, uh, not, not very bitter beer. I think, in a way, I almost think that this would probably go better in a mug. I think having a little bit extra... Insulation around your tongue when you when you drink it would would really help it come okay. down even easier. I think that sort of drinking out of the glass, it just doesn't feel right with this style. Okay, you, you follow me at all? I, I could see what you're saying. I never would have thought of it though. Delivering it with a mug. I mean, 
I know that when you drink something with a mug, it just sort of tends to, to feel a little bit different when it hits you, just because it has to go over that much, and you're sort of you're you've got half your tongue sort of hidden by the the mug at first. Okay, uh, I don't drink from mugs enough, apparently. <laughs> I think you might f- notice a little bit of change, but but it doesn't have quite the kind of flavor profile of other beers we've had, and I think that's sort of something about the style. It's a nice drinking beer, meaning that it, it doesn't kill you with flavor. Uh, it's not going to burn your tongue out fast. The alcohol at 5.6, if I was wanting to drink at Oktoberfest, I'd wish it would be a little bit lower in alcohol. Yeah. But it's certainly, it's, it's let's see, what are some of the other adjectives well, he told mean, us? It, he told us quenching. It, it's a little bit quenching. Yeah. I think I used palatable before. You know, the, these are meant to be drunk with food. So you you are drinking and eating. You're not really going to get the alcohol to, to hit you as much. Yeah. No, I could definitely see this with some bratwurst or something. Oh, yeah. It'd go really well. This is making me hungry for some bratwurst. Or <laughs> it certainly is. I'm good. Like I said, this brewery started in 1417, so that's it's an old one. You've been doing it for a while, yeah. Also, this is one of the few beers that tells you the calories in it. 185 calories in a bottle, 12-ounce bottle. Yeah, I wanted to dispel something, by the way, about this calorie thing. Guinness. Guinness has a lot of um, people saying that it's a meal in, in a bottle and you know you feel all full when you have it. And people expect it has a lot of calories. In fact, it's one of the lowest calorie beers on the market. It's like 150 or less. Right. Yeah, it's like 140-something. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that people sort of – I think it's because it's nitrogenated. It feels full. I read something just the other day. I think it was in this magazine right here. How to uh, Brew Your Own magazine from a couple months ago. Yeah, it was this magazine. I'm not sure which article it was. But they said, Guinness breweries around the world brew a pale lager. And then they get a Guinness essence concentrate that comes from Ireland, which they blend with their beers. And that's how you get your Guinness. Really? I didn't want to believe it. I mean, a lager? I could see if you, an ale, stout's ales, yeah. but brewing a pale lager? I already read it twice to make sure I understood what they were saying. I should do it in front of second verification. I was just surprised. Yeah. It's in the magazine, so you figure it's just not some quack writing that, you know, Guinness brews a pale lager and adds, you know, That's, black soot to it. Yeah, but, the, the, them's fighting words, I think, from Guinness. Guinness is one of those It's one of those beers that people say, people don't know craft beer, say, oh, Guinness, that's something crazy. Or, or they go to a bar and say, hey, if a bar has Guinness, you know it's a good bar. Whereas you and I both think that Guinness is pretty mediocre when it comes to stouts. However should be noted that we live in America, we don't get the real Guinness. We get Guinnesses brewed over here. With Guinness X, pale <laughs> lager now, apparently. Who knows? But, I mean, I've heard that the Guinness that you actually get in Ireland is significantly different than the Guinness you get here in America. I've heard that, too, from a friend who visited St. James yeah. Gate Brewery. I don't like Guinness anymore, but it was the beer that I had that I knew beer didn't taste like old Milwaukee. Right. My dad grandpa would drink old Milwaukee, and <laughs> when I was 18... Actually, with my dad, I had my first Guinness, and oh man, it was good. Yeah. So for the longest time, I liked Guinness. I would order Guinness exclusively, even if I was at Fatheads. I was oblivious to everything else, and I would get Guinness. Fatheads is a bar with 40 taps yeah. of craft beer. Spectacular bar. So it was before the Age of Enlightenment. you know. And then I started trying other stouts, and that's when I got the curiosity, the spark. And so I wanted to try everything. And then I slowly branched out from stouts, trying to find styles I liked. 
and well, it's, it's history from there. Now right. I'm doing craft beer radio, so. But I'm, I certainly would like to, at some point, go to Ireland and taste what a real Guinness tastes like. I, a part of me says, oh, it can't be true. They can't put lager in there. And a part of me says, you know, <laughs> what they define as Guinness these days is, is a, apparently a pale comparison to what actually is Guinness. There may be some smidgen of truth to that. I don't think it's totally true. Right. But all all good jokes have a little bit of truth in them, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, here's a question for you. I used to, you know, even up till last year, I really wanted to go to Ireland. First, it was to go to the brewery, but then it was just to see Ireland. Yeah. And, you know, I'll visit, I won't go to Ireland without visiting St. James Gate Brewery, obviously. Now I'm thinking, if I'm going to go to Europe, why would I want to go to Ireland when I can go to Belgium? Yeah. So. Yeah, wow. And Belgium's small. You know, you can go to places around Belgium, too. So I, I'm not so sure I'm going to make it to Ireland. <laughs> All right. Well, we both finished the Hacker Shore. It was an enjoyable beer. I didn't dislike it, which is a big step for me. <laughs> Since last time I had Oktoberfest, I had a, a tart, it had that that lager taste I used to not like. Never could really describe it to anyone. It tasted like a little steely, a little sour. Honestly, it certainly didn't taste like that. At honestly, all. that's the best I could. It, it was in almost every lager that I've had. It was just something about the lager yeast profile that I just didn't agree with me. Well, did you feel that way in the Pilsner show? No. We were drinking some pretty hoppy pilsners yeah. in that show. And I knew that I liked a couple of those. I've noticed that in some of the lager styles that I do drink, that that flavor I didn't like has gone away or subsided. I've been able to explore it more or block it out or something. I'm not sure. But I'm glad that I like Oktoberfest now because I could definitely see that going with some German food. I, actually, I couldn't think of a better beer yeah. to go with some brats than that right there. It makes a taste buds water for that kind of thing. So our next beer is the Kustreitzer. Is that the one you got? Yep. Yeah, okay, cool. The Kustreitzer Oktoberfest. Yep, this is one that our local bottle shop had. I've never heard of this brewery. The Kustreitzer. Hopefully I got that right. It's uh, We called up... I have a friend who has... He grew up in Germany. He moved to America maybe 10, 15 years ago. I'm like, well, we're doing a German show. i got to call Dieter and get all the pronunciations. So we called up Dieter, and I read, like... These Oktoberfest styles are also called Merzens. And that's how I was pronouncing it, but I was never sure. I yeah. made that up on my own. It could have been completely wrong. And he's like, yeah, that's right, Meritson. I'm like, awesome. Sweet. We don't have much information on this one. It's a fall seasonal, what you sort of expect at a most Oktoberfest. Yeah, this one had, um, its website was only in German. I probably could have Dieter translated for me. I didn't think of that. <laughs> Their distributing company didn't have a web page that I could find. So we don't have much information on this one. However, we know its alcohol is 5.9%, so it's a pretty high alcohol. When I popped the cap on this beer, it started foaming out the top of the bottle. So it's an energetic one. And it's pouring uh, a lighter color. It's not quite as amber as the Hacker Shore. It's, uh, although it's a little bit foggier. Yeah, it's a, it's a little cloudier than that. I won't take points away because, no. again, cloudy beers don't scare me. Uh, and I'm not a BJCP judge for Oktoberfest styles. I actually think a cloudy beer is, is, is in some way more appetizing than a clear beer. To me, it just it implies that there's more to it. It's kind of the same as how a bottle beer is more appetizing than a can beer, yeah, though. It's so true. It's true. It's just a little bit of... It's absolutely true. It's a prejudice. It's a, it's a prejudice, right? The smell is more sharp. Yeah, it definitely. It doesn't have as much sweet, malty aroma to it. it. It's a sharper smell, possibly from the noble hops that are in there. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's a hoppy it's a hoppy smell, you know, the, the noble hoppiness, not the sort of cascade or stuff that you get in a pale ale, but this sort of this more earthy hop that you get in England and, or in, and, in Europe. And typically, the noble hops are known for their spiciness. Yeah, I got the bottom half of the bottle on this one. Mine poured with a bigger head. And looking at it, you would expect to get a little bit of a bready aroma from the head like this one. Yeah. I'm not getting much of a bready aroma on it, though. No, I really don't detect much in the way of breadiness at all, but here comes the taste test. Definitely see where that spice comes in from the hop. You're getting this this uh, sort of somewhat spicy hoppiness that really hits the back of your tongue. Yeah, it's it's not nearly as malty as the Hacker Shore was. It's, uh, it's dry almost. It's a little malty at the very beginning. But it turns dry really fast. Right. I'm, I like this. <laughs> I know on one of the beer sites it doesn't rank as high as the Hacker Shore, but I I like this one. I don't know if I like it as much as the Hacker Shore. I'm you know I'm more of a multi guy than exactly. Are. But I still think it's good. This gives me less inclination to to want to eat food. I think. Oh, I agree with that too. No, maybe I'll no. As I drink, my opinion may change. First sip, I did like the dryness on this one better. But by the end, I might be missing the maltiness from the Hacker Shore. Mm -hmm. I could see that. My second sip was not so wow. Yeah. I mean, not wow, but not so as, yeah, that's what I'm looking for as the first sip was. Well, I think, you know, it, it, it's considerably different from the Hacker Shore. So the change. Yeah, the, the was, contrast yeah. was definitely what you were tasting. You're probably tasting as much contrast as you were the new beer in that first sip. Mm -hmm. Good point. It's not a um, undrinkable beer. It has an interesting maltiness to it, the, like the profile of the maltiness. Yeah. It, um, I'd almost say like narrow. You get a little narrow streak through there, but yeah. it, it's like surrounded by it's surrounded by a, a, a lot of bitterness. Hoppy. Yeah, yeah. The, the hoppiness and bitterness you get, and I I think that the hoppiness and bitterness is really hitting the back of your tongue, really kind of staying there, staying with it even after you swallow it and breathe a lot over it. I mean, it's just there. There's a dryness that gets over the front of your tongue. Did you say that this beer was 5.9% alcohol? Yes, 5.9%. Okay. Like I said, a, a high alcohol lager. Well, not super high. No, not I mean, like, not crazy. Not the 12% Sammy Claus or anything. <laughs> Church, Brewer Church Brewers, which is a uh, brew pub here in Pittsburgh, that had a uh, lager called Lulu Lager, which was, I guess, 7.8%. Um, which was the highest alcohol I'd ever seen for a lager at that point. And I was like, how would you get that much? I asked the, the, the bartender, how do you get that much alcohol in a lager? And he said, throw a lot of hops in it, which, of course, is ridiculous. Yeah, he uh, either just wanted to shut you up or... Yeah, had no idea. You would figure the place people they'd hire there would be a little educated, but maybe he was new. I didn't like it that much, but that was at a time when I really wasn't that into trying new stuff anyway, so... I think I got a growler there, IPA. Okay. This beer hasn't changed much. I mean, I'm still getting the same kind of profile. It might be getting a little smoother. The tartness or yeah. the, the sharpness from the hops isn't is affecting my tongue as much as it was at the beginning. I'd say it's more spiciness than sharpness. I think that okay, yeah, yeah, that sort of spicy noble flavor. Yeah, it's not. My tongue's either getting used to it or it's mellowing or something. I'm not getting as much as I was at the beginning. I also think it has a slightly lighter mouthfeel than the Hacker Shore. Oh, yeah, it absolutely has a lighter mouthfeel. Just slightly, but it's definitely yeah. lighter than the Hacker Shore. And I tend to like a thicker mouthfeel. Give Greg a spoon and he's happy. <laughs> spoon to swoop up his beer. However, a lager 
it can be fitting to have a lighter one too. This is a lager, so I mean that, that's a personal preference type thing. Now, here's a question for you: If you had to say which one was more quenching, I'm oh, sure this one. one. Yeah, I would agree. It, it was maltier, but it was also more quenching. Yeah, which is interesting because you would think dry beers would be quenching. There's something about I mean the bitterness of this beer. It leaves me wanting to, to drink more as opposed to feeling quenched. That was the uh, Kostreiter. The next is the Spaten Oktoberfest from, again, Munich, Germany. This is uh, another 5.9% fall seasonal. This one came in a green bottle. Uh-oh. So let's hope it's not skunked or light, right. light struck from uh, its voyage from the motherland. <laughs> Brewery started in 1872, and this is the first beer, or, or I can't tell exactly what this note means. Is this the first beer they brewed, or is this the, the beer was first brewed in 1872? Beer was first brewed in 1872, and they claim to be the world's first Oktoberfest beer, brewed for the greatest folk festival in the world. So the Hacker Shore was the original Oktoberfest. This one claims to be the first Oktoberfest. Uh-huh. A gravity of 13.7%. Listen to that glugging. And this one is darker, considerably darker than our last one. Trying to enhance the show a little bit, pouring into the microphone. (laughs) And we haven't talked about heads yet, but this is like the other ones. I mean, I think they they both had the same style, the same kind of head, which is this retaining about a finger's worth of head, about a half inch. I have an ogre's finger. Jeff gets a nice Shrek finger. Yep, Nice three fingers easy. Which Jeff always does because he pours his last. This is uh, the brewer is, is Spaten Franziskaner now. The same guys who brew Franziskaner, which is one of my favorite Hefeweizens. One thing that we didn't mention about the Hacker Shore is they're in a big conglomerate also. They're owned by Paul Honor, Salvador, Thomas Brow. And so Paul Honor is another popular Hefeweizen. And they also make a pretty popular Oktoberfest. Salvatore is a popular Doppelbock. Jeff, I got bad news smelling this. Ooh. <laughs> it smells skunky. Yes. It, it really does smell like you're driving past a skunk. Huh. Ooh. <laughs> Damn green bottles. Oh. This one is... I, unless it's designed to smell skunky, I think it's almost certainly light-struck and, and skunkified. We'll taste it. It's brewed exclusively with alpine water, barley, malt, hops, according to the famous Reinheitsgebot. So skunk juice is not in there? No skunk juice. Mm. I thought I smelled skunk when I popped the cap on it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I didn't want to say anything right away, but you are right. Yeah, skunk. Yeah. I don't think we can review this beer fairly. I don't think so. There's this no is way. actually the highest rating beer of the three. Hmm. That's a shame because they'd ship it in green bottles, and this is totally skunk. I mean, I can taste the skunk right there. It's very, it's present right on top of it. Wow, that sucks. Yeah, it does. Because you can taste it. There's sort of a, a real mild kind of maltiness underneath. That's what I need to talk to. No, it's not necessarily our bottle shop's fault. They have all the bottles in a cooler with fluorescent lights on the sides. Normal fluorescent lights do emit UV light. They sell light bulbs that don't do UV, and they have filters you can put around the light bulbs. I forgot to ask them if they use special bulbs. They might have never considered it. When you're opening a store, you've you got yeah. so much to worry about. And I wanted to recommend it to them. And after, after this beer, I'm going to remind them. Yeah. It, it just it, it doesn't taste fresh. Yeah, it doesn't taste fresh. It tastes 
I mean, you get that kind of that aftertaste. It just tastes like the way the skunk smells, and it's just not it's not good, and it's unfortunate because I I think from what I can taste in here, I think this would have been. Well, I think I ought to pour this out, and we should go for our last beer of the night because I just don't think this yeah, is. Yeah, I just don't. It's not worth suffering through. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Sorry, sorry, Spotten. And so after the abridged Spotten, going on to our last beer of the night, which is an American beer, we're bringing it home. That's right, Penn Oktoberfest from. The Penn Brewery in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, this is a nice local brewery that does some interesting stuff. We we did their Weizen on the Weizen show. Yeah, they're a authentic German brewery. Yeah, they have all their equipment from Germany. They even have a German brewmeister, and they they try to do all their styles as accurately as they can to the historical styles. And Pittsburgh has sort of a German population too, I believe. Brewery started in 1986. It started over on top of the Aberhard and Ober Brewery, where beer had been made since 1848. Alcohol of 5.6%. I don't know about distribution, but you're not likely to find this in many other places besides Pennsylvania. Yeah, the, the Penn Pilsner, their flagship beer, is available wider. But the seasonals like the Oktoberfest probably isn't available more than eight hours from Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's just a guess. So immediately you're noticing that noble smell, I think, that noble hop smell. Okay. I got malts most of my first aroma with, but you mentioned the the hop side really? of it. Really? Because I don't really smell much malt. I smell more than Oh, hoppiness. you know what? And now I'm smelling a, a hoppiness as well. Maybe I just wanted to smell malt the first time. <laughs> Who knows? Well, it's different from the skunky smell, so. Okay. This beer tastes more like the, the lager beers that I don't like. Mm-hmm. See that taste that's in there? Yes. I know what you're talking about. It's kind of um, almost a a metallic taste at the end. Right. I said a metallic sourness type taste. And actually, it's again, the first sip was different than the second sip. I enjoyed the second sip a little bit more. But see, that's now I can actually tell someone when I first started trying to drink lagers, I tasted that in everything. And that's what I didn't like. Hmm. There's a taste when you get when when you taste metal that's somewhat hard to describe. I think you also taste it when if you ever had a, a cut and you suck on your cut. Oh, so it's an iron type. Yeah, taste? I think you know, there's sort of that iron in, in in your blood, and it, it's kind of this almost feels like a dip at the back of your tongue. Okay, that's the yeah. best way I can describe it, and that's sort of the metal taste that's coming through a little bit on this. And I wonder why this beer has that sort of metallic taste. This is from a bottle. Right. So it's not from a can that's not insulated with the... Uh... I, I've talked with people about this, and I've said metally sour. As right. soon as I say sour, I'm like, oh, you had an infected beer or something, like skunk beer. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it was good. It's just my tongue, the way my tongue deci- deciphers this taste. The best thing I got was that's just a lager yeast profile there. I mean, obviously that's not true, because we've had two other Oktoberfests. Well, and I've had this. Vienna lagers. Yeah. The Elliott Ness from Great Lakes... Was one of the first loggers I had that was completely lacking the flavor that I didn't like, and the pilsners are those American pilsners are so hoppy that it yeah. it blows it away. So I, mean, I like those too. Now, just because I can detect that taste in this beer doesn't mean I think it's bad. I think it's a mild taste in this yeah. beer. It's not overpowering. In terms of the actual taste is coming through in the beer, there's that metal thing which is. It's somewhat minor in the taste, but it's there. It's combined with, again, another bitterness that's, that's reaching at the top. I say this compares more to the, which was it, the, the Kustreitzer, or the Kustreitzer, 
than it does the Hacker Shore. Yes. And we don't know how it compares with the Skunky right. Spotten. <laughs> I, I would say, from, from what you could taste in the Spotten, the Spotten probably was closer to the Hacker Shore as well. Probably. But uh, it was just it's so closer to Hacker Shore than, 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 than these two, the, the Oktoberfest and the Kustreiser. Sure. If I really take the time to breathe in air over top of the beer, get a little more sweetness and also a little bit of alcohol evaporation, yeah. and you... When you can take the time and, and get all that aroma up in your factory, it's, it's really interesting. I like that. And there's just so much more going on there than that one little flavor I don't yeah. like. So that's how I'm But gonna... it is – I know what you're talking about. It is noticeable in, in this beer. And I wonder – I was thinking about this earlier. You know, when, when you try the Church Brewer, as I mentioned earlier, all their beers have a similar sort of background taste. And I think it has to do with the yeast they use or something like that. But I, we've tried other pen beers that don't have this taste in them. So it's not something with the yeast – or in their process? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, the Weizen obviously uses a different yeast. Yeah, that's than the true. Rest that, of that is true. I didn't think about now, that. the Pilsner, the Oktoberfest, their Kaiser Pils, their St. Nicholas Bach even, their Maybach might all use the same other yeast. I remember I had their Maybach for the first time this spring, and I was really disappointed in the Maybach. Hmm. So, I mean, it could be a yeast thing. We're not sure. There's something about this one that... Is I don't know if it's enough to just say don't drink it because there's there's enjoyable parts of this beer. I think that there, there's interesting maltiness in there that really tends to sort of intensify after as you breathe over. No, it, it's still good with food. Now I'm planning on going down to the Pen Oktoberfest, and I will order this with my brat. I won't drink the Weizen. Yeah, like, you know if I didn't like this, I would drink the Weizen. I'll still order this and enjoy it. It's just not. I wonder if for tap is any better. It, it very well could be. Yeah. I would say this beer is just not as flawless. Not that the, the Hacker Shore is flawless, but this for one has style, a more pronounced yeah. flaw than, than the Hacker Shore does, for sure. Or the... Even the Kostreiter. Kostreiter, yeah. Kostreiter. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I guess it's time to rank. Now, we, we can't include the Spaten because it, it wouldn't be fair. The, the beer is skunked. That's just it. I think this is another easy show to rank. I'm going to rank them that way. Really? I'm going to rank them this way. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. And probably we should explain to you what we're ranking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because this Hacker radio, Shore comes in number one for both Absolutely. Of us. No question about it. And Greg puts the Cost Striker number two. I was thinking about putting the Pen Oktoberfest number two. It's that flavor I don't like, which I complained about for, what, ten minutes on the right. show. And now you're saying it's... Yeah. Which I don't get. I, to, I liked the rest <laughs> of the beer more than the Kostreicher, and that taste subsided for me. Remember how I said we mm-hmm. might be tasting the contrast between the beers? And maybe that's where I taste it the most, because it went away real fast. I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, I just, I didn't like the pen as much as I liked, as much as the Kostreicher. I just, okay. it just, just didn't think it was as good. Didn't think it had the same kind of flavor profile. The Hacker Short obviously wins. I think both of us would agree that it's that if if you had a choice between these three, definitely go with the Hacker Short. Yeah, definitely the Hacker Short. I I'm kind of tossed up now because I'm I'm conflicted on my own between because the pen had something I didn't like. Right. It also could be because I just finished the pen and the cost record was two beers ago. I'm gonna put them just real close together. All right. But do you have anything that maybe takes a little bit of precedence over another? 
I like them both. Okay. He likes them both. Sorry. But I have a definitive answer, which is well, hacker short. You know, if there is a... Okay. There's one definite thing I don't like about the pen, so I guess that could move to third. Okay. So our rankings are agreed upon, although Jeff is not as strong as I am in the rankings, which is hacker short there number one. There was flavor profile in this pen that I, I enjoyed, but... It wasn't... It Not for like me a, so much. It seemed like a flawed beer, though. I think that the, the cross side was was better in the flavor profile, too. Okay. It seemed like a... Fl- I like the flavor, certain parts of it, a lot better, but it, it's just not... If you're looking... I guess I have to look at the beer as a whole package. And mm-hmm. since there's that flaw in the pen, at least what I find is a flaw. Yeah. Tom Pastorius might not find it as a flaw. He might think it's traditional. But yeah, the cost striker, I guess, would put second at that point. Now, the, the spotting, can't really tell... I would say it, it would have probably ranked second if we could have had the flavor because I, I tasted stuff on there that reminded me of the Hacker Shore. If I didn't realize it was skunked, I would not try this beer yeah. again. So that's just that's stupid marketing people in Germany and With the green beer. England. Yeah, what are you going to do? Well, that's it for the show this week. Next week we'll be back with more Oktoberfest beers. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Vote for us on podcastalley.com. Wait till September 1st, or you'll have to vote twice. Right. I'm not sure. What's today's date? 29th. So probably, I mean, Wednesday's probably, the 31st. It'll be up before. It'll be up tomorrow or Wednesday. Okay. Well, wait till <laughs> September 1st. Then vote, 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 vote. Get out and vote, everybody. Yeah. Rock the vote. <laughs> That's right. Or P. Diddy will kill you. Vote just, or die. It's just Diddy. The P was getting <laughs> That's right. It's just hands. Diddy now. Oh, well. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. <laughs> That's right. The P's getting between him and his fans is what he said. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See ya. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. You said so could your face.